All right. Now, I'm excited because not only do we have a bunch of people visiting um, to celebrate today the baptisms, but we also have our first through fifth graders who are going to be hanging in here. Glad that you're in here. We were, we were just talking about the most memorable costumes growing up. I remember that for a couple of years there, I started going into my mom's closet and like, I'm going to dress as a woman today. So I went and grabbed like one of her dresses. And the first year she thought it was funny. The second year she did not. When I went and got a second different dress, she's like, don't keep stretching out all my stuff. Pick the same one. And of course, I wasn't going to wear the same dress two years in a row. So I decided to dress as something different that year. Um, but we, yeah, Hi. Go ahead and cut that from the actual video audio feed for later, all right? Uh, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor here, and we're so glad that you're here to celebrate today with us, and this is going to be fun. Um, we are at the tail end of a series that we've been calling Brand New, and this series has been all about unpacking this brand new movement that Jesus came to inaugurate. It was radically different from the regular kind of religious approaches to God that dominated the world at that time and quite honestly still continue to dominate the world today. And we've been calling those regular religious practices the temple model, and this is the reason why. The temple model is something that's built off of this idea that there are sacred places that you can go to somehow be closer to God. And within those sacred places, there are sacred texts for some religions, they're scrawled on the wall. In other places, they're carved into stone. Some places, they're, they're written on scrolls or they're codified into books. And then there are sacred people, a small group of individuals within those sacred places. They're the only ones who have access to the sacred scriptures. And they're the ones who open up the word and explain to everybody else what that means. And because of the design where you have only a small group of people who have access to the sacred texts, we find that within the temple model, the sacred people tend to have way, way, way too much power and influence because they end up acting as like spiritual middlemen between whatever deity is being worshipped and all of the sincere followers that are hoping to worship that, that God. And we recognize that Jesus did not come to perpetuate the temple model. In no way was he interested in, in bringing temple 2.0 because what he brought was radically different. He said, it's not about places being sacred. People are sacred. He said that the church is made up not of bricks or buildings, but rather of bodies. And by that token, in the temple model, when the temple model says it's all about a place, here's the mindset that ends up happening. If you go to church, then it makes sense that you would then leave church, right? So then by that mindset, church happens an hour and a half on a weekend, and that's it. The rest of the week is non-church. And Jesus said, uh-uh, that's not how it works. Because we are the church, which means that you don't leave Church, when you leave this place, the church goes to work. We end up being the church in the spheres of influence that we frequent. Jesus said, I have given you my spirit, the same spirit that empowered him to cast out demons, the same spirit that gave him the ability to heal broken bodies, the same spirit that enabled him to take just a little bit of bread and a few fish and feed multitudes far more than that food ever could have gone to by regular means. 
And the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, that spirit is given to every single one of us when we say yes to Jesus Christ. And because of that, we become a living, breathing, mobile part of the church into the spheres of influence that we frequent. So how does God reach people on school campuses? Well, he dresses some of his kids up as teachers. He dresses others up as students, and then he sends them to school. You too, Lucy. He, how does God reach people at, in the workplace? He dresses some of them up as owners and others as employees, and he sends them to work. And don't think for a moment, those of you who have retired from your nine to five, do not think for a moment that just because you've retired, you can retire from having an influence or being an ambassador of hope and reconciliation because you too have a purpose wherever you find yourself spending time, whether it's with your family, your grandkids, your water aerobics class, I don't know, whatever you're doing, God is with you and God is using you. You become the church. This building is not the church. Of course, this then raises an important question, one that we have not yet dealt with in this series and that I wanted to address before we move on. And that is, what is the purpose of this? If we're the church, this isn't the church. What is the purpose of this? And what's the purpose of having staff members who are giving their full time and attention to keeping this going? What is the purpose of giving towards keeping lights on and keeping it up and nice? It's a valid question and it's an important one for us to address. And thankfully, the Bible does address that. In fact, there's a a guy named Paul. He was an apostle of Jesus, one that Jesus said, I want you to be my representative. He actually kind of grabbed him from the, the fringes where he was trying to decimate the church. And Jesus said, no, you're not going to work against me. You're going to work for me. And he put him into the game. And Paul, in writing a letter to the the church in Ephesus, addresses this question directly. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. And if you don't have a Bible, go ahead and grab one perhaps in the seat back in front of you or you can look it up on your phone. Just a little bit of context for us before we dive in. I want you to understand that Paul actually wrote this letter to the Christians that were gathering together, kind of a small house church in the city of Ephesus, he was, he was writing it from house arrest. He was actually imprisoned, awaiting trial, because Paul wouldn't back down on the claim that Jesus, not Caesar, was the King of kings and Lord of lords. In a day and age when Caesar says, I am God, I alone am worthy to be worshipped, Paul said, no, you're not. Jesus is. And so he was arrested. And he was waiting to stand trial, which could have potentially cost him his life. And yet, even in the midst of that, he recognized that his imprisonment actually was a blessing in furthering the kingdom because it got him into proximity to some people that he otherwise never would have had the opportunity to share the gospel with. And as he writes this letter to the Christians in Ephesus, he then writes it to encourage them to live out their faith in the spheres of influence that they find themselves in. Now, the first three chapters of Ephesians are kind of like the theological foundation for what he's going to say. And then the last three, from chapters 4 through 6, are really more about, in light of this theological foundation, here is how we should live. So we are going to pick up this conversation right as he makes this transition into, okay, now practically, how should we live our lives in light of the fact that Jesus is who he said he is, and he has done what he has said he is going to do, and he's given us the Holy Spirit to reside within us so that we can be not only his sons and daughters, but we can be his ambassadors. How now should we live? 
That was my wife's phone ringing there. Well done, baby. Good job silencing that thing. All right, here we go. Chapter, I'm going to pay for that later. Sorry. Chapter four, verse one. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And what you see Paul doing here is he's making this case that we need to live as ambassadors of hope. And the way that we interact with one another, the way we treat one another, the way that we love one another, the way we put up with one another's idiosyncrasies, that says something to the world around us. The way that we treat our neighbors, even if they're not believers, that says something. He then begins to talk about how the the community of Christ, this body, is more than just a set of disparate individuals. It is one unified body. We have one Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the head over it. We have one spirit that resides within each of us and empowers us to do what God has created us to do. However, that spirit doesn't give us the same gifts and talents, doesn't give us the same experiences. And so Paul will make the case, each of us, has been empowered by God to play a unique role within the body of Christ, reflecting God's love in the myriad spheres of influence we find ourselves in. But God doesn't just give each of us abilities, talents, perspectives, and then just send us out into the world to reflect him on our own. He recognizes that just like any of us who try to start playing a sport, we need to be trained up. We need to be equipped so that we can do what he has created us to do where he's created us to do it. And so he now will change gears in verse 11 and talk about the things that God has put in place to help support us be the church. Let's begin reading in verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers in order to equip the people for the works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. I want to pause here for just a second because Paul identifies four leadership groupings, four type of people who God has specifically given in order to build up the body of Christ. First, you have apostles. Apostle simply means a sent one. This is somebody that God would use to send out to the fringes of the society that had not yet heard the gospel. And these were the groundbreakers, the ones that went places where people hadn't heard about Jesus yet, and they would be the ones to share the gospel and establish churches and begin to build up the community of Christ in a new place. Probably the closest thing we have in our day and age to this is missionaries. These are the kind of people who don't stay in a nice, comfortable place. Where, it's our, where the church is already established, they go to the people who don't and share about God. Then you have prophets. When we think about prophets, we typically think about somebody who uh, tells what's going to happen into the future. But the reality is, although that happens at times, prophets really are simply people who speak words that God places on their hearts. And more often than not, if you spend any time in the Old Testament, you'll see that more often than not, the prophets were the ones who were speaking to the community of, of God-fearing believers and correcting the ways that they were beginning to slide morally. They are the the correcting voice that's constantly helping the church refocus. Quite honestly, more often than not, they're doing it from the periphery, they're speaking from the outside in, and they're not very popular within the church because they tend to upturn the apple cart. They tend to make us uncomfortable because they challenge us to grow 
And unfortunately, we tend to be pretty resistant to change. So those are prophets. And then you have evangelists. And some of you have met an evangelist. Some of you in here are evangelists. And you are a gift to the church. Because you're the kind of people who cannot help but share the hope that you have found in Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter where you are. You could be at work. You could be at the store. You could be at Starbucks. You could be hanging out at DMV. And you are just going to share what, what you have found to have been life-transforming in your own life. You want to share that with everybody else. You're the kind of people that people get uncomfortable about when they get onto an airplane. And yet, thank goodness for you. Because you, because you are unwilling to simply sit idly by, there are people who have come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah, it may have been uncomfortable in a moment, but you're willing to push through that discomfort because you know that if you don't, the discomfort that they have coming is far, far worse. And then you have the pastor teachers. Now, this is, we might read this as two distinct roles. In reality, it's kind of treated as one. The pastor teachers are the ones that, although there is one large body of Christ, I always ask the question, how many churches are there in Costa Mesa? And the, the quick answer when I ask you that, the quick answer is one. There is one church in Costa Mesa. In fact, there's one church around the world. Jesus Christ is the head of it. We are all part of it. And although there's only one church, we meet in different settings, in different iterations. Lighthouse Community Church is one of those iterations. It is a piece of the larger body of Christ. And God has appointed a few to be shepherd leaders over that community or over any of those communities to walk with the people that are there, the people who say, I am in, I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It is the pastor teacher's responsibility to train up, equip, and, sh- and help people do what God has called them to do. So if you think of concentric circles, the largest circle would be the, the apostles, the sent ones. They're out on the edges. Then you've got the prophets who are speaking into the direction of the church. Then you've got the evangelists who are going out into the streets sharing the good news, sending people into community. And then you've got the pastors, teachers who are kind of on the, on the home front, walking with people. The, these are some of the things, some of the roles that God has called some of his kids to fill But to what end? That is the biggest question. To what end has he called them to do this? Verse 12. He's called them to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ, that's all of us, so that the body of Christ might be built up and strengthened until we all reach unity in the faith. When we recognize that we are not in competition with any other community church around here. We're not trying to steal sheep. In fact, we are all together as ambassadors of hope to the community, to, to our neighbors who don't know the good news that we have found. And so we are, these people are here to equip us so that we can be built up until we all reach unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and that we would become mature, spiritually mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ so that our lives become a reflection of His heart the way that we treat our neighbors when they have that music blaring at 11 o'clock at night is a reflection of Christ. The way that we treat our spouse and our children is a reflection of our love. The way that we drive down the street when we get cut off, how we respond is an accurate reflection. And does, do any of us do it perfectly? Absolutely not. If any of you do that perfectly, please come up here. You can finish out the message today because I'll go sit down. But the point is, the, the, the church, the community, these, these offices or responsibilities are there to equip us 
to do what God has called us to do so that we will reach both a unity of mind of saying we're all in this together and maturity, that we become an accurate reflection. Then, verse 14, then when that happens, when we reach unity and we are acting spiritually mature, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. In other words, in a culture where the moral norms are shifting faster than we can keep our finger on, in a day and an age when the world seems to be shaken at its foundation, when a lone gunman can so radically alter our lives, when a single spark can utterly decimate homes and lives, when the shaking of the ground causes our world to topple, and when hurricanes blow things away that we have found and placed our trust in, it's within that that we begin to recognize that this is not my home. That in this world I will experience trouble. But I can take heart because what he did on the cross has overcome the world. And so even the brokenness of this world doesn't get the last word. You know, I want to pause for just a moment. And I just want to lift up those right now who are actually battling the blazes. I I intended to do at the beginning. Let me just stop right for a moment. Father God, I lift up those individuals right now who are on the front lines fighting these fires up in Northern California and even just a little bit down the street. I pray that you would protect them. I pray that you would give them wisdom in where to place the fire engines and that you would, be, that you would control the wind, that you would cause it to cease. We recognize, Father, that in this world we will experience trouble. We know that we're not promised easy, carefree lives, and we are so grateful, though, Jesus, that you didn't just leave it like that, but because you were willing to die for us, we can actually have hope that the brokenness of this world doesn't get the last word. And we want to be a reflection of that hope wherever we go, Jesus. In your holy name, amen. Okay, so the purpose of the church is to equip the church to do what God has called each of us to do into our sphere of influence. And as we are strengthened, as we are equipped, then we're no longer going to be pushed around and our faith is not going to be contingent upon our circumstances and how comfortable it is. You, when you know that your foundation is in Christ, then when the storms of life come, when you get that letter in the mail from the IRS, or your car breaks down, or you get laid off, or there are bills that you can't pay, or your kids go sideways and they reject the life that you hope they will choose. Or when you go to the doctor and you get that diagnosis and it doesn't look good, in those moments your foundation will not be shaken because you will have that spiritual ballast to keep you afloat. Verse 15, instead of being capsized, we will, in speaking the truth in love, we The body of Christ will continue to grow and become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, namely Jesus Christ. And from him, the whole body, here we are, where the body gathered together, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Here's the point that I'm driving at this morning. You do not have to be on staff at this church to be a minister of the gospel. 
if you have said yes to Jesus Christ, then God has placed his spirit within your heart. And you are a minister of the gospel right where he's called you to be. Whether it's to your schools, to your families, to your neighborhood, to your workplace, to the coffee shop you frequent, you are a minister of the gospel. Because a lot of people out there have absolutely no interest in stepping foot into the church. And the mindset is, if I can only get you to come to church, then you'll meet Jesus. Then you'll be fine. And the reality is God says, no, 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 you're the church. So they come face to face with the church when they rub shoulders with you. And my ardent desire is that this church, this community, that Jeff and I and all of the staff members and volunteers who invest into this would help to equip you so that you can shine his light of hope as clearly as possible. Never going to be perfect. None of us are. Thankfully, he uses broken and imperfect vessels to pour out his perfect love because if he didn't, then none of us would be willing or be worthy to be used by him. But he still uses us, and that's good news. And it is our mandate. It is our pleasure and joy that God has invited us into being able to come alongside you and support you and encourage you and equip you. So that's what this is for. That's why we spend all of this time, uh, you know, thinking through throughout the week. This is not like a we only work half a day a week, as some people think that pastors do. We are thinking throughout the week and praying throughout the week, God, how can we better equip the people you've entrusted to our care to be the ministers that you've called them to be where they already are? Because you can reach people that I could never reach because of who you are, because of where he's got you. And that means that this gathering on a Sunday, this isn't church This is a staff meeting of all of the ministers that God has called to follow him, that call Lighthouse home. This gets to be a staff meeting where we gather together and celebrate what God is doing in our midst and then become refocused on our efforts because we're together in this. The way that we treat one another, the way that we, we go about our lives reinforces a perception about Jesus, whether it's real or true or not. And that means when you leave here, you're not leaving church. When you leave here today, when the service ends today, you, the church, go to work. And that is both exciting and I would imagine for some of you that is terrifying. I am totally not equipped to be a minister of the gospel. God, you can't use me. Yes, he can. If he can use a donkey to speak truth into somebody's life, he can use you. Right? He can use me, thankfully. So we're the church. And it is our job, Jeff and mine and Don's and Michelle's and Marge's and all of the people that have said yes to pouring into this community, it is our job and it is our joy to help you be the best reflection of Jesus that you can be. Now, if that is not enough... Something that I'm even more excited about is the fact that today we get to celebrate the addition of eight new ministers to this task of loving people and reflecting Jesus' heart. We are adding eight new ministers. Some Some of them have been walking with Jesus for a long, long time. Today they just want to tell everybody that they're doing it and that they are in for the rest of their lives. And the way that they're going to do that is through something we call baptism. Now baptism, for those of you who aren't familiar is not how we are saved. 
We are saved through faith in Jesus Christ by saying, Jesus, I want to walk with you for the rest of my life. Would you come into my life? Holy Spirit, would you begin to clean house? That's how we're saved. Baptism is about as close as I can come to, to a wedding ring. It is a public, out, out kind of external declaration to everybody else we come into contact with that I am not my own, that I belong to another. I wear this to remind people that I'm married to Kathy, that I no longer belong to myself. But if I took the ring off, guess what? I'm still married. Makes no difference. I might get in trouble. Uh, she might be upset if I lose it, but, you know, it doesn't change the fact that we're married. Baptism does not save you or, or, or you know, but it is a public declaration of an internal decision to follow Jesus, and it's symbolic. In the same way that Jesus died on a cross for us and was buried for three days and then rose from the dead, triumphing over sin and death and saying once and for all that the, the, brokenness, of the, the brokenness of this world does not get the last word. When we go and get baptized, as we go under the water, it is symbolic of us dying to our old self, saying because of what Jesus has done in my life, because of the Holy Spirit coming in, I am dying to who I once was. And the separation that my rebellion against God had created between my Creator and myself. And when I come up out of the water, it is symbolic of this individual being raised back into new life, a brand new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And so I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward. And we're going to spend just a few minutes getting ready to celebrate this publicly. So while we do this, we're we're going to play a song. And if you are a visitor today, the only thing I would ask, because we're going to actually take an offering right now, if you are visiting today, please do not feel obligated to put anything in the offering other than we'd love to know you're here. So your connection card, maybe a prayer request that we can be praying for you this week. Each an opportunity to share their testimony. And really, uh, it's not going to be the whole thing. They're just going to share briefly the decision that kind of led them here today to want to get baptized and want to make this public declaration. So, Caitlin. All right. Hi, my name is Caitlin. I'm a junior at Huntington High School, so I decided, well, I've been wanting to do this since I was little. Like, I went to private school. I've been coming here since, I, like, as long as I can remember, honestly. And, like, I never really understood, like, the meaning of getting baptized. Like, I knew what it was, and, like, I saw people at church, like, doing it, and I was like, oh, like, I want to do that. Like, it seems so cool. So, like, as I got older, like, I played softball committed to UC Santa Barbara, like, I've always been super busy, I never had the time to do it, so recently this little thing popped up in my throat, and it's my thyroid, and it's not cancer, so that's good, but they said that it's not, like, I don't know how to explain it, but anyways, I got, like, really super scared, and like, my gosh, like, I don't want to die, like, I'm really nervous, and like, honestly, I like prayed over it, and I was like, God, like, please help me, like, I'm really scared, because, like, I'm 16 years old, and it's, like, really stressful, I guess. Um, So uh, I, like, prayed over it with my family, and I was like, hey, so, like, I want to get baptized. Like, I wanted to stop putting things off and put God first, and I was like, okay, so I want to do that. And then, so, yeah, so here I am, and I'm... All right, (laughs) all right. All right, so I have one question for you. Why don't you come on this side right here? One question for you. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Do you accept him as your Savior, but also choose to follow him as the Lord of your life? I do. All right, let's pray. 
then it is my honor and privilege to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Caitlin's decision uh, spurred another person in her family who wanted to get baptized, and that's her mom, Shara Marie. So. Sorry, after that, you can't cry. <laughs> um, so basically, I've been wanting to get baptized for a really long time, and being a mother of an athlete, I've just kept putting it off. And now that Caitlin came forward and said she needed to do this, I needed to step up to the plate as a mom and do the same thing. So that's why I'm here, too. So, Sarah Marie, oh, I have a question for you. I'm sorry, I almost skipped that part. All right. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sin? Do you choose not only to accept that gift of salvation, but choose to follow him as the Lord of your life? Absolutely. And it is my honor to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then this one is really fun for me because about a month and a half ago, Pastor um, Jeff had a message about inviting people that you were doing life with to come with you. And a couple of you took that very seriously. And Wendy is one of the women in our church that chose to invite one of her friends from work, Brian, to come to church with him. So, Brian, why don't you share with us kind of the journey that's led you to this point wanting to make this decision Hi, well, my name is Brian. I'm 20 years old, and I just became a Christian this year, and I wanted to get baptized to show you guys my love for God. And I used <laughs> I was an atheist about six, seven months ago. About six, seven months ago, I became a Christian. And when I was around five, six, I ended up going to Catholic school. Ended up doing Catholic school until 11. I graduated from that, but I ended up losing my faith for God due to doubts I had. But now I'm ready to be baptized, and I'm happy for that. I'm really glad for that, and thank you guys for being here and showing us the love that we all truly need. (laughs) All right, brother. So do you recognize that Jesus died for your sins, and do you choose not only to allow him to be your savior, but choose to follow him as the Lord of your life. I do. Then, Brian, it is my honor to baptize you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And as so often happens, when one person um, comes to know Jesus and chooses to be a part of community, that person will invite another person in. And so his girlfriend, Rebecca, chose to come here as well and chose to get baptized as well. Instead of having her share her testimony pub live, she actually did a recording she, was, she wants to share with you. So, I'm Rebecca. I'm 19, and I want to get baptized. The reason why I want to get baptized is to show people that, yes, I'm a follower of Christ, and I want to show people that no matter what, no matter what you do, he can always forgive you. He will always accept you. After me and my friend, which was, I was about 13, she was um, a witch. Um, she practiced Wicca, which is initially Satanism. So after she showed me it, I decided to do it too, and I liked it. 
and I did it for about seven months, maybe more, and I realized that my house was a little haunted. It wasn't, it wasn't normal anymore. But after realizing that, yeah, there's the bad things, I realized that there could be good things too. So I started contemplating for like about three years after that. Like, is God real? Is he real? I don't know. He could be. After what I saw, he should be real. I don't know. But it was always those doubts. But after we looked into Jesus, the shroud, and how he was real, there's no, there's no way that it could be lies that people said that he did these miracles. So I realized that, yeah, God's real. And I had that little motivation back. And I became a full Christian. And now I've been a Christian for five months or maybe. Maybe five months. Yeah, I just wanted to show people that my testimony is that no matter what, someone like me who is a Wiccan, or was I mean, not is, but was a Wiccan, who did all these bad things, God still accepted me. God still forgave me. And if there's someone like that in your life, you know, or, or you, perhaps, that lost faith or hope, that please don't. Uh, losing faith and hope is really hard to gain back. It really is. And everything I've gone through, I realized that, yeah, I had to break free one day. And that's why I drew this. Uh, I drew that to symbolize for myself and to remind myself that, yeah, I had to break free somehow. <laughs> the only way I could was with Christ. This is the first time I'm getting to hear these testimonies that they put together, so it's pretty fun for me, too. So, Jessica, do you rec- I'm so what? sorry, Jessica. I'm so, don't <laughs> Rebecca, I'm so sorry. Rebecca, <laughs> your brother's girlfriend, so I'm, I apologize. Yeah. So, Rebecca, I'm so sorry. Uh, do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? And do you choose to follow him not only as your Savior, but the Lord of your life? Of course I do. Then it is my honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this one, this next one is one I've been looking forward to for a long time. This is somebody who's been a part of our church for a very long time with a whole lot of personality. Go ahead and watch Nancy's testimony. Hi, I'm Nancy Whitlock. I'm excited to be getting baptized today. I love God, my family, my friends, and especially our small group. There's so much love in that group and support. I can never remember not having God in my heart. I was raised in the Catholic Church, and I think my relationship with him was more a a fear of God than a love of God, because I just didn't want to go to hell. And then I lost my way for a while, and God just didn't fit into my program. Then I met and fell in love with and married Frank, and... He was he didn't believe in God and I couldn't understand how anybody couldn't believe in God and it was just kind of a sore subject that we we just never discussed religion and uh, and then we became involved in a group and most of the people were Christians while associated with them I realized that I was really missing walking with the Lord and Frank became more receptive he came to the Lord 
and we still didn't have a church because we tried the mega churches and I didn't like that and we had a conflict of time and, and everything and then we went to a birthday party for Terry Phipps and made connection with Diane Winicky who she and I had worked together years and years before and she asked what church we went to and I said we really didn't go regularly and so she told us about Lighthouse and then Frank went to breakfast one Sunday and came home stopped there and came home and said honey I found us a church and here we've been ever since. And I never really felt the need to be baptized, but I've been recently thinking I wanted to be. And the thing that has held me back for so long is the fear of being dunked in water, which is a, a real thing for me. But I'm just, I'm just gonna do it today. So thank you for being with us. Well, I know that you're a little bit nervous about water. I know that I have been a lifeguard in Newport Beach for about 10 years, so I'm here for you, and we got Frank right behind you just in case, all right? So, and you are looking very stylish right now. I do appreciate that, Tower Cat. So, Nancy, do you believe that Jesus not only died for your sins, but do you accept him as your Savior and choose to follow him for the rest of your life as your Lord? I do. And it is my honor and privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go down! <laughs> she told me, I'm going to resist. I'm not going down. And once again, when Nancy decided that she was ready to make this public declaration, somebody who was dear to her life uh, chose to make the same decision. So Frank is here now to make that same declaration. Let's watch his testimony. Good morning, everyone. My name is Frank Whitlock, and it's great to have you here with me this morning. My walk with Jesus started about 40 years ago. Nancy and I had been married 12, 13 years, and I thought that everything was going great for me. I had a wonderful wife, two beautiful daughters, a brand new home, and a business of my own. And God or religion hadn't been mentioned very much in our house because Nancy was raised Catholic and I was raised with a lot of love but not much uh, in the way of religion. But God had tried to get my attention on two or three specific occasions but I had managed to politely ward him off. But you know it's kind of funny when God wants your attention sometimes he can get a little sneaky. Shortly after that we became involved in a little side business venture and I just suddenly noticed that the people we were involved with seemed to be Christians and I was surrounded. They were everywhere and that's when I started to realize that something very important was missing from my life. Soon after that, I invited a friend to my house one afternoon and uh, I told him that I, I needed the Lord in my life and I didn't know what to do. The next thing I knew, I was kneeling down and reciting a sinner's prayer and asking Jesus Christ to come into my life. When I was able to stand up, I felt a very, very heavy burden lifted from my shoulders. And from that moment on, I knew that I was a, would be a better husband, a better father, and a better man. So for the next 40 years, Jesus and I became pretty good pals. And he 
led me to church, he led me to Bible studies, and he led me to my men's small support group, which consisted of me and five wonderful guys. And we've been meeting every Friday morning for the last 28 years. So a great little church was mentioned at a birthday party that I was invited to, Terry Phipps. And in the course of that party, there was a little church in Costa Mesa that was mentioned. At the time, it was Lighthouse Community Church. The next Sunday morning, which was the next day, I just happened to be in the area and just happened to stop by. And I walked in and sat down for an hour and a half, got up and went home and told Nancy, we just found a new church. My walk with Jesus in the last 40 years has been really, really wonderful, but there's always been one very, very important part missing. And I'm here this morning to fix that, and I'm just so happy to have you to share it with me. Thank you. And now I'm going to get out of the way and let Pastor Jeff baptize a couple of people that he's been doing life with. testimony in a wind tunnel. Yeah. Okay, well, that's good to know. Uh, we'll keep that in mind next time. Well, the best thing about Nathan's testimony for me is that Nathan is a, an athlete here locally at Vanguard. He's a captain of his soccer team, and anytime God can call one of our athletes out to be a testimony uh, as a captain, that's tough enough, but uh, we know that God's going to use his testimony mightily there on, the, on that campus, plus that campus brought him here. You know, that's uh, an opportunity of a lifetime, so we're so grateful of that. Nathan, uh, on profession of your faith there, is it any doubt in your mind that you have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in your life? 
then it's my privilege today, brother, to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah, brother. Our young adults ministry is just so blessed to have a couple of our young adults here today. And hopefully if there's any other young adults out there thinking about this, great motivation. Come on in, Sarah. Just go. You want to show them your ring first? What do you want to show them, Sarah? Yeah. Uh, this is Sarah. And you have a wonderful video, too. Yes, you guys want to play this video? She can she Hi, and show them your ring. How about that? Um, That's I'm fairly new to Lighthouse. <laughs> My faith journey really has been interesting. Um, I was sprinkled as a baby, um, but throughout my life, I didn't really get much guidance towards having a relationship with Jesus. It wasn't until high school that I started going to church with a friend and learning who Jesus was to me. Uh, But at that same time, I was the only one in my family that was going to church and kind of like the only one in my friend group at school that was pursuing the same type of relationship with God and um, it was kind of like a private relationship with God that I had and um, it wasn't until college that um, I started to learn and understand the true meaning of community and how God wants us to live with each other and for one another. The Lord truly blessed me with amazing people to walk um, with me and search for a deeper understanding of my faith. Um, I spent hours with professors, coaches, um, teammates, friends, um, mentors, just growing together and talking about Jesus. And through all that, I learned that there's a God who loves us so much, and no matter what we do, No matter where we are in life, no matter how many times we fall, um, he still loves us. And he holds us in his arms and he says, I still love you. And to me, that's just, it's just amazing. And everyone needs to know about that Jesus. And um, so now I'm here to say that I love my Abba Father and the Lord of Lords and my Creator so much. And... He's done so much for us, and I'm so thankful for him and his incredible love for me and me just being so imperfect. He loves me still. And so I'm here to say I want to devote my life to him and strive each day to show others his love. And I'm so appreciative of all those people that have walked with me so far in my faith journey, and I'm so grateful that I can do this. Getting baptized. <laughs> That's awesome. Everybody has a story, and one of the things that got missed in that is uh, Sarah's a runner over at Vanguard, and uh, I've heard through the grapevine that she was actually out running around locally one day, and she ran into Todd, right? And Todd was working on a Bible study or something like that, and she said, "Well, are you working on Bible study or whatever?" And through uh, that conversation, Todd invites her to church. And I love how the Lord kind of uses us all in community. You know, conversation randomly invites somebody. There's nothing random about our faith. All of us are working. The church is always working. And so, Todd, just remember that. You never know how the Lord works it all out, but all of you are all working. Like Pastor Eric said, once you leave this building, the church is fully alive. It was fully alive in that park when Sarah ran up to him and said, what are you doing? The Lighthouse Community Church was fully alive in that church. 
And here's the re representation of that. Now you have another person here and boyfriend, soon to be fiance, and many other things. So he is my fiance. Fiance, <laughs> fiance is correct. Well, there's no doubt in my mind by your testimony and affirmation of faith, you definitely affirm Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You do. Yes. And it's my privilege to baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in death. Raised to a new life in Him, you are absolutely in. God bless. All right, let's go that way. All right, Pastor Eric, closing arc. I'm on it. Thanks, brother. All right. Well, was that fun? So I would imagine that there's probably a few of you in here that today in hearing people giving their testimony and making this public declaration, you're going, you know what? I know I've been putting on off for a long, long time, but maybe it's time for me. Or maybe you have been flirting with the idea, perhaps, of submitting your life. It's, it's hard to do because we like to hold on to control. We like to feel as if we are the captains of our ship. And if there's one thing I can tell you is that Jesus is a way better captain than we are. So if you are at that point, you're like, you know what? I'm ready to make this decision. I want to give my heart to Jesus, or I want to let people know that I have given my heart to Jesus. We want to invite you um, to just, you know, let us know that you're interested. I'm sure we're going to be doing another baptism here pretty soon. Because God's doing some amazing things here right now. If you would bow your heads, I just want to pray over us. And then we are going to go be the church. Father God, I thank you for the decisions that have been made and the, the, that we get to celebrate publicly today what you've already been doing in our brothers' and our sisters' hearts. And I thank you for every single person that you have called out of the stands, every single individual that you have called here today. This is a gathering of your ministers in one place. But now we are about to go scatter and be the church. Would you use us, Father, to glorify yourself? Would you have your way in our lives? Would you continue to set up divine appointments like you did out on the back bay between Todd and Sarah? Set up divine appointments for um, relationships like you have for every single person that got baptized today. There's, they have been somebody who spoke truth into their lives. They had other people who walked with them and poured into them. Would you use us to be those people who sow seeds of hope, who walk with other people? Would you glorify yourself and advance your kingdom and change eternal trajectories today and every day beyond? Jesus, thank you that you don't call perfect people. Instead, you call broken, imperfect people like us. And you, you fill us up with your perfect love and your perfect spirit. And then you say, now go out and pour that love out into other people's lives. Go be a reflection of my love in your sphere of influence. Father God, use us as you see fit to advance your kingdom and save some souls. Jesus, in your holy name. Amen. Thank you so much.